Join us for a look at the three finalists for the 2017 North American Truck of the Year Award and more. Coming up on AutoLine this week. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. We're going to be talking about the North American Car of the Year Award and Utility of the Year Award and Truck of the Year Award. And in fact, I've got three of the jurors here with me today to discuss the finalists and who might be the winner of that. And joining us today are Sharon Carty. She's the senior editor at Automotive News. Paul Eisenstein is the publisher of the DetroitBureau.com. And Joe DiMatteo is deputy editor with Road and & Track. I want to thank you all for being here today. Thank you. Thanks. we got three different categories to discuss here. We can get into a lot of detail on each one. Let's start with Truck of the Year. And Sharon, why don't we start with the Honda Ridgeline, which, in fact, maybe I should announce the three finalists to the list, sure, and then we'll start with that. And the three finalists are, drumroll, the Honda Ridgeline, the Nissan Titan, and the Ford Super Duty. So with that... Sharon, why don't we start with the well, Honda Ridgeline? Yeah, we're, we're starting with my favorite of the three, so that's good. Um, you know, I, I really was surprised at how much I ended up liking the Ridgeline. It's, um, in my view, it is exactly what Americans are actually buying when they're buying pickup trucks. You know, a lot of people aren't really buying them for the Super Duty, gigantic towing capability. They're driving, driving them because they like the capabilities that come with it and they like being elevated up high and the Ridgeline is a very nice driving car. Um, it, it drives much more like an SUV than an actual giant pickup truck and uh, I think it's going to have a lot of appeal. Paul, what's your thoughts on uh, the Ridgeline? I will agree with you to a point. Uh, it's what a good chunk of pickup truck buyers are buying. Uh, it, it, it's appealing to that broader segment that may not have found exactly what they wanted in existing pickup trucks. And so it opens up to a lot of new buyers. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that they've pulled off this time. What's, what's most important is they seem to have accepted what they are. They're not trying to do some fancy little tricks with weird styling like the first generation. It's a solid vehicle. And I think uh, the big surprise I had driving it at their preview was how broad its potential is. So, no, it's not the incredible off-roader of a, a Toyota Tacoma, uh, and it's not quite the work truck of the Chevy Colorado, but it bridges pretty much that world 90%, and that's where, to your point, a lot of the potential buyers are who may not otherwise buy a pickup. Joe, what do you like or not like about the Honda Ridgeline? Uh, I like the styling. I think the last Ridgeline, they tried to uh, compensate for the fact that they weren't a full-size heavy-duty or you know light-duty three-quarter or half-ton pickup um, by having exterior and interior, interior styling cues that alluded to that but weren't genuine. Um, they've accepted what they are and are not, and I think it's a it's an honest vehicle inside and out. Um, it's 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 very well engineered. It has still has lots of the clever tricks from the last one, like the two-way folding tailgate and the uh, hidden uh, cargo area under the bed floor. Uh, I think it's very smart of Honda to go in its own direction. Uh, I think with the Asian automakers, every time they've tried to uh, go where the big three are in pickups, they, they don't succeed. Even as good as the Tundra is, the Toyota Tundra, it's still just a, a, a dent in the market. Um, the Nissan Titan has had a fairly rough history in the market, really. So I think it's smart. And actually, 
uh, the Chevy Colorado has in some ways paved the, paved the way for the return of the Ridgeline mm -hmm. in showing that there is a market for uh, not a huge pickup truck. And I think the Ridgeline is very appealing for the people who don't need, a, don't need or want a huge pickup. I think there's a couple of really clever things, like you say, on the Ridgeline, one of which, of course, is that they're able to turn the bed of the pickup into a giant speaker. Mm -hmm. So even though you don't have speakers in the back, somehow they're able to get that, that, yeah. that to vibrate in a way where you can actually hear music or you know talk radio or anything like that, which and, no that, one else has done. The point you made about that hidden storage area, uh, I know with my own wife, who's actually owned an F-150 over the years, she's a tougher trucker than I am. Uh, she loves that hidden storage area. And I, I think a lot of people do because the reality is you go out in a pickup truck, you don't have a place to hide and secure small things like a purse if you're a woman, a laptop computer or what have you. Uh, I think that's a real plus. Yeah. Could well be. So, uh, Sharon, let's talk about the next truck on the list, which is the Nissan Titan. What do you make of that? Um, well, the Nissan Titan, I would say, is, is probably my least favorite of the three. Um, it is a, it's a good truck, uh, it's, but it's, a, it's probably one of the most surprising things to sort of make the finalist list. Um, it's, it's, it's adequate, it's a really good truck for what it is, but I don't think it's doing anything necessarily revolutionary or groundbreaking. Or um, the, the candidates this year are so strong across the board that to be kind of uh, really good is not good enough, I think. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that one. Paul, mm -hmm. your thoughts? If, if the XD were up this year, the first truck, I think it'd be a stronger contender. And the XD is actually a heavy duty for The medium duty, it's medium. sort of the F200 right. plus yeah. uh, pickup truck. Uh, I think this one after the, uh, the, F, uh, the Titan XD is just sort of a, it's a good truck, but we already knew it. Now you're just sort of making it a little bit lighter duty. So it's a little little harder to make the sell that this is a, uh, a truck of the year. Mm -hmm. I'm with Sharon and Paul on this. It's, Nissan is back in the truck game after being, I mean, the Titan has been there, but it was really a 15-year-old truck. They had all sorts of diversions in, in doing a second generation. They flirted with Dodge for a while, I believe, mm -hmm. to do a version of the Ram. Uh, so they're back in the game. It's a good truck. Nissan dealers, I'm sure, are happy to have it. And if you're a Nissan person and you want a truck, by all means, but uh, I, I don't see it being a strong contender in this competition. Very interesting, even though it made a finalist. Uh, you three are not all that keen on <laughs> yeah, Well, it. remember, it was also a smaller category this year. Now that it's broken off from, uh, from uh, utility vehicles, there's fewer trucks coming out. Uh, mm -hmm. We've even talked about the, what happens if we don't have three solid trucks in a year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, will we even have the award? Yeah, good question. So let's turn to the Ford Super Duty, and that sounds like it is your kind of truck, Sharon. It is. Well, you know, when you talk about the, looking at the at what each of the contenders do, I mean, the Super Duty still is able to be a very good truck, a very powerful truck, and it's also, you know, all new and made of aluminum. And, you know, I mean, that's just, it's, it's, it's just something different. It's, it's advancing the technology. Um, it's, it's doing something unique, um, and it's doing it really well. So... I'll flip what I said about the Titan. First, we had the light-duty Ford F-150, which, of course, did win Truck of the Year. And now we have the heavy-duty. And the question is, does it advance the state enough to justify being called Truck of the Year? Or is it just a little more than the F-150? And that, I think, is the thing that works against it. Hmm. Joe, your thoughts? Uh, it, it's a very impressive truck. Uh, 
it, it's, uh, you know, the, the Super Duty's always been very, very capable. I think this marries capability, technology, and luxury and usability in a way that the, the Super Duty segment hasn't really seen. Um, so I was quite impressed by it. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I don't want to say I'm not impressed. I just don't know. Does it take things to the next level over the F-150 enough to justify being truck of the year? And I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's an awesome truck. If I had to tow the state of Montana, that's the truck I would go with. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's big. It's a really big truck. Very capable, too. I, I think uh, Ford's going to be off to the races sales-wise yeah. with it. But whether it wins truck of the year, you know, just based on what you guys are saying, too, I'm not so sure. Let's move to the next category. <clears throat> that's utility of the year. The three finalists that made that are the Chrysler Pacifica, the Jaguar F-Pace, and the Mazda CX-9. Mm -hmm. Joe, why don't we start with you, and why don't we start with uh, Chrysler Pacifica? Well, I've always been a minivan fan, and I, I think a lot of people who buy crossovers should be driving minivans, or mm -hmm. not should, but would be better served by a minivan. Um, and so it, to marry some a little bit of sex appeal and styling with the minivan capability, and it actually drives well. We were talking about it earlier in the green room, most minivans drive like you're sitting on a seat with a powertrain in front of you and you're dragging a room <laughs> behind you. It doesn't have that feeling. So when you drive it, it, it feels much more car-like, even though car-like is, is an attribute that's been assigned to minivans for 20 years. Most of them really weren't car-like. They felt like you were driving a room. But the um, Pacifica does. The Pacifica feels more like a car and yeah. it looks good. And um, so if it can bring back even you know 100,000 people a year into the minivans, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Paul, your thoughts? I'm hearing a lot of people who had gotten away from minivans, who should be, to your point, driving minivans, who are saying, I like that. And that's the first time I've heard Why that. Why is that? Why are they saying uh, that? The styling seems to cross over. Well, what is over. it about the styling? It just is a little bit more, if you will, crossover-like. It just seems to have less of that, uh, that box design, that shoebox design that has just alienated people. And for some reason, it, sometimes it's that undefinable character that makes something cool again. You can't quite explain why, uh, but it seems to be that, and I guess it's partially because it's getting good buzz from, from the journos who drive it. Um, to your point, it drives very well. I, I had a chance to drive it on the Ortega Highway. We've all driven that out in California. Uh, not exactly a road that you consider something you would drive. Very twisty. Yeah, it's very twisty, tough. It really tests every inch of a vehicle. And I was pleasantly surprised. No, it wasn't a sports car, but it certainly also wasn't what I expected of a minivan. It's got some nice features, nice design. It's getting buzz. Uh, that's a lot. Sharon, your thoughts on it? Well, it's definitely getting buzz. I would say I probably have to disagree with sort of the ex exterior design. I still think it looks a lot like a minivan, and I still think that it, that is going to um, turn people off. But I do think once you get inside of it, um, it's just, it's very smartly designed inside. It's, it, uh, it's got, you know, the little features, even the, I mean, I know Chrysler minivans have always ha have had these fold flat seats for a really long time that fold into the floor, but um, um, kind of when you put it all together and you put the styling inside to get, with, with the features that have already existed, um, it's just, it's a lot more fun to drive. It just, it feels better. It feels less like a compromise that, you know, you have to be driving a minivan because you have children. You can actually get into it and enjoy being in it, um, which I think, but I still think, you know, it's still a minivan, so you still have to kind of get over that mental hurdle of, do I really want to be in this kind of car? And 
I also, I, I think that it, it does drive very nice, to Joe's point, um, but I'm not sure that minivan buyers traditionally care so much about how it drives, you know, that they're in there looking for the actual capabilities. <laughs> so um, from, a jury, from a jury standpoint, I think it's a very strong contender. I think a lot of people really like it. Um, whether or not that'll affect sales is, you know, a the, big question. The other issue which we didn't discuss is the hybrid. Well, it's funny that they hybrid. call it, but they call it a hybrid, Yeah. Uh, but it is a plug-in. I, I don't know if that's going to... Uh, a, influence us as jur uh, jurors, uh, or B, influence the market. I'll be really curious to see. First plug-in from, from Chrysler, let's see if it actually ha moves the needle at all. Yeah, no, I was uh, knocked out at how good the plug-in is. I, I, I didn't think FCA, Fiat Chrysler, had it in it to yeah. develop a vehicle yeah. that thoroughly, that well. I, I was very surprised at how, how well I thought it drove. Uh, let's keep going down the list here. Joe, the Jaguar F-Pace is also a uh, finalist for Utility of the Year. And it's a very fine luxury crossover. Uh, it's uh, an extremely important vehicle for Jaguar. It's uh, practically doubled its sales. I mean, yeah. their sales were almost nothing to begin with, so it wasn't hard to double, but it's definitely uh, doing well for them. It's very nice. It, it's it, uh, one of its key attributes is that it manages to be extremely good looking in a category with a lot of look-alike vehicles. Um, it drives very crisply. Uh, it has a very nice interior, not quite up to perhaps other Jag interiors that we've seen recently, but um, uh, very strong powertrains, base power of 330 horsepower, I think, and 370 or something like that. In the gasoline engine. In the gasoline, and there's a diesel. And there's a diesel. And there's a diesel. Um, so really strong effort from Jaguar. I mean, of course, there's the whole emotional aspect of Jaguar having a crossover, like get over it. They have to have a crossover. They will not survive. Didn't you get over that when Porsche came right. out with the Cayenne? That battle was lost long ago. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I drove it here. I have one outside. Uh, out in and, the parking lot. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so I have, it's pretty fresh. And I, I, what really got me on the way here was at one point I was flogging it around some turns and I thought about it for a second. I said, oh yeah, this isn't a Jaguar Jaguar. This isn't the sport car, sport sedan, sport coupe that I normally expect. This is a, a big utility vehicle, but I had to think about that. It drove like what we expect of a Jaguar, and that to me was perhaps the biggest accomplishment they made. Hmm. Sharon, your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I think all of that stuff is very important. Um, uh, it does drive great. Uh, one of the things that kind of killed me, though, is that uh, I think the one that I test drove had the base uh, infotainment system in it. And I feel like for when you're asking people to buy a luxury car, um, even the base infotainment system should be good. It shouldn't just be, it shouldn't be sluggish, it shouldn't be slow, it shouldn't be problematic. It should just, it should just work the way it's supposed to work. Um, and it, it, it didn't. And that bugged me. Um, and, and, and the interior, and it, but it is a car that attracts a lot of attention, um, you know, in parking lots and, and driving around. A lot of people want to look at it. And the interior is, is very nice. Um, but I just got hung up on those little details that I feel like, you know, when you're making a car that is, you're asking people to spend that much money, um, and you're asking them in the crossover segment where people are really not buying this as a sports car, they're buying it as a daily driver. Like, everything needs to be perfect. And, and that, that kind of was, was not perfect for that, me. That's a very valid point about mm -hmm. the infotainment system. It's a shame because they developed, they, Jaguar Land Rover have had horrible infotainment for years. They finally got their act together and developed a state-of-the-art system 
um, which I've driven, and it's unbelievably good, but it's optional. And you, I'm just like, that is the dumbest move on their part. They should take a, a loss for a while to have that good one as standard because uh, it, uh, that's just, you, know, you can buy a Hyundai for $18,000 and it has a better infotainment system than the base one in the F-Base. So, yeah, very valid point. Yeah, agreed. Paul, what do you think about the Mazda CX-9 also in the final F-Base? <sighs> it's stylish, it's fun to drive. Mazda's always been an interesting brand, hasn't it? Uh, it's never the fastest. It won't clock necessarily the, uh, the the quickest times around corners, but it just has this overall feel. And it's a crossover that doesn't sort of dumb down, uh, dumb things down the way a lot of crossovers do. It's a really cool vehicle. Yeah, Sharon, do you yeah. think it's a really cool vehicle? I agree. I mean, for you know, a car that's three rows and and it still feels very light it feels athletic um, um, it's priced well um, it's definitely something that I, I would probably consider it as a car that I would buy for myself with a family that says a lot right there yeah. it really does Joe your thoughts on it I'm a big fan of the CX-9 I think three-row crossovers have become the minivans of our time they're <laughs> commodity vehicles most of them are incredibly boring to look at they're incredibly boring to drive they're just predictable boring 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 um, the CX-9 manages to drive really well, um, drive far better than most crossovers, two-row or three. Um, has a beautiful interior. They're really up the game on their interior, getting a almost luxury spec interior for a commodity car price. Um, so I'm a big fan of the CX-9. Yeah, I'm very impressed by Mazda. A little small company, but it, boy, they can they, turn out some terrific doing products. Good stuff. Okay, let's turn to car of the year. The finalists there are the Chevrolet Bolt EV, the Volvo S90, and the Genesis G90. Paul, let's start with you, and let's start with the Chevy Bolt EV. 65% odds it'll win. Mm -hmm. It is a game changer. <laughs> and said 60 back there. I, I, <laughs> I, then I listened to what you guys said, so I've got two votes, yeah. uh, or at least one, anyway. Uh, it's a game changer, and I use that term. Why do you say so? I use that, first of all, I, I don't like that term normally because it's like paradigm shift, yeah. but this case it really is. <laughs> Wait a minute, I like paradigm No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and it really does change things because we keep hearing that we're going to have to be driving some form of electric soon, whether it's micro-hybrid, hybrid, plug-in, BEV, or hydrogen. This vehicle gives us a reason why we may feel good about it. It's reasonably quick. It's got real range. It's got a very utilitarian design. Uh, you know, the, the styling is a matter of debate. Uh, but it's a vehicle you would get into and not go, well, I got an electric. And I'm not paying for a Tesla Model X or Model S. I'm getting some, some real value for my money. We'll have to wait and see how Tesla Model 3 turns out. But they beat them to market by a year. Or more. Or more. Well, that's true because Tesla has never come close to hitting one of their deadlines. Right. So the fact that they got it here on time, if you know the inside story, you know what they've done to drive down costs on battery technology. I've driven it. The car drives well. It's surprisingly well. There's so many things I like about it and what GM has done with this vehicle. It's hard not to reward them. Do you agree, Sharon? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it's a car, it's, it looks deceptively smaller than it actually is. So mm -hmm. when you're driving it, um, when you get next to cars that are sort of similarly shaped, you realize like, oh, this is much bigger than you know the car next to me. Um, it's got a lot of space, um, which is, 
I think a utilitarian thing to worry about, but but um, I drive a Chevy Volt, um, and I love that car. But it is uh, it has a, you make a lot of compromises with that. It's got the battery that goes straight down through the passenger seat in the back. Um, you don't have to make any compromises with it, and and it's got. What is the mileage? Over 240? 238. 238. 238, right. I mean, that's that's great. And if you baby it a little bit, you'll hit probably 240 or 250. Right, and right. it's super fun to drive. And if so, I drive it the way I do, it's still almost 200, which is significant. And one of the things I like, too, is it's got, it gives you a range, right? So when you're driving, like, if you continue driving this way, you're only going to get 170 miles. But if you lighten up a little bit, you could get it back up to 210. So it just it gives you this nice sort of fun. And one of the things that electric car drivers like to do is sort of play with how far it's a mental game and so they really played that up and I just I really like it. Joe what do you say? It's clearly a major achievement uh, it is surprisingly good to drive having the battery pack low down gives you a very good uh, center of gravity um, and uh, uh, practical um, not sexy necessarily but not bad um, and uh, I hope they sell sell the heck out of them. Yeah. Um, Boy, I'm super impressed by the car. Let's keep going down the list. Paul, Volvo S90. If the XC90 hadn't come out last year, or if this came out last year, uh, this would be a real, real, real top contender. A lot of good stuff about it, this time done in a sedan. There's some improvements and changes from the XC90. Not enough that I think it's going to win, but frankly, the fact that they got back on the finalist list the year after winning with the XC90 says a lot about what's happening with Volvo and all of it good. Mm -hmm. Sharon? Well, for me, it comes down to between the Volt and the Volvo because, um, and I'm trying to weigh which technologies I think are, you know, more revolutionary. But the Volvo, uh, its autonomous drive assistance systems are just a step ahead of what came out in the XC90 last year. Um, and uh, I'm a big believer in those technologies, and I was really impressed with it. Um, I, I loved the interior. I loved driving it. I loved turning on all the adaptive cruise control and the lane keeping, and that it that it, it um, will continue to. I think when the with the XC90, like it stopped controlling the car when it got over, I think 20 or 30 miles an hour, and this will go up to 80. Um, and so it really takes a lot of that workload off of you when you're commuting. Um, so, yeah, for me, the debate will come down to, like, which, which is worth rewarding more at this time? Um, is it the green technology or is it more of the autonomous? Hmm. Joe? It's a beautiful car inside and out. Drives beautifully. They've, uh, well, they already introduced the combination turbo supercharged engine. Um, uh, it's got a lot going for it. Um, there's a, a soft spot in every for it, most people have a soft spot for Volvo. Mm -hmm. um, we we were afraid for a while Volvo was going to go away, and they have not only survived and come back, but they are thriving. changing the game. They're thriving. They're changing the game on interior and exterior design and on technology. So it's really it's quite something. Okay, last car on the list, Paul Genesis G90. <sighs> another vehicle in another year might have had a solid chance. Uh, Hyundai. The parent is, is doing amazing things. They are taking a big risk creating an all-new luxury brand, and that's far from certain it'll succeed. Uh, this vehicle is more than just a warmed-over version of the old Hyundai Equus. They've done a lot of changes. It drives better. The, uh, they've improved the suspension. It shows that, that Hyundai is taking very seriously the idea of continuous improvement and doing it at a still amazing price. 
So it's a solid vehicle. I don't think it'll win, but I would not be entirely surprised if somehow it did. Hmm. What do you think, Sharon? Uh, actually, I, I disagree with that. I was surprised that it showed up on the finalist list. Um, uh, I like it. I mean, it's a great car. Uh, um, but of all of the things that we have to, had to take a look at this year, um, looking at a, a new luxury car, um, it's impressive. I just don't know that it's necessarily sort of uh, earth-shattering or you know anything really revolutionary. Um, and there were so many really cool things out there this year. Um, yeah, I think they did a great job. I mean, really, Hyundai has done a great job with improving their brand continuously, and and for them to step into the luxury market, they're not. Um, it's not a compromise. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. still, I'm just kind of kind of surprised it's there. Yeah, yeah, Joe. I, I'm with Sharon on that. I was surprised it made the finalist list. I'm very impressed by the car. Um, I've driven it at length. Uh, it, it is a. Mercedes S-Class at a $30,000 discount, and it's a very, very good car. Um, it's, uh, and, but I think the proof of concept for Genesis is going to be a future model when they come out with a 3-series fighter, which will be an all-new car um, with new styling. The styling on the Genesis is kind of a mismatch of uh, Jaguar, Audi, Mercedes, Lincoln. Um, you know, Very well done, very well executed. The car has presence. It's a lot of car for the money. I, I don't see it meriting car of the year, though. Very interesting. Look, we're, we're down to the very end here, so I'm going to put you all on the spot. And I'm going to start with you, Joe. Car of the year, what do you think might make it? Bolt. Okay, Paul? Bolt. Bolt. Oh, wow, very interesting. Utility of the year? A Pacifica. Pacifica. The same. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> Truck of the year? Ridgeline. Ridgeline. Same, yeah. Okay. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm also on the jury, and I agree with all your assessments there. That's exactly how Which I would call it myself. we're going to both be in for a surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it could be. And, of course, the, the winners of each category are going to be announced at the Detroit Auto Show, which is just right around and the corner. get a new trophy. Oh, and we should know, notice here, too, that, yeah, we've got this trophy that was designed by Ed Welburn, the former head of uh, design at General Motors, it's a, it's a gorgeous design, and it's ma- manufactured by a company called American Arrow. And it, boy, I, it, it's worth winning the award, if only to get this trophy. Uh, I love what Ed Wilburn said about the design. Quick, because we're down to the end. He looked at what Oscar would drive. He wanted to do an Oscar, but in this case, Oscar what Oscar in, would drive. In the Hollywood movies, this yeah. is what Oscar would drive. That, that's really good. So i got to thank you all. Sharon Carty from Automotive News, Paul Eisenstein from the DetroitPuro.com, and Joe DiMatteo from Road & Track. Thank you all for sharing your thoughts thank and you. your wisdom. Thank you.